Welcome to Women in Venture Capital. I'm Roshvina, a student at Harvard Business School with prior experience in finance and more recently venture capital in Africa. And I'm Anvita, Harvard Business School class of 22. I've actively worked in VC and tech startup space. Our mission at Women in Venture Capital is simple: increase the representation of women in the VC industry through awareness and engagement. So join us as we engage with women establishing their presence in VC. Our guest today is Pocket Sun. Pocket is the co-founder and managing partner at Sogal Ventures, a women-led next-gen venture capital firm backing women and diverse entrepreneurs in North America and Asia. The firm believes in investing in women is the largest arbitrage opportunity of the decade. and aims to deliver superior consistent financial returns by investing in world class underestimated founders shortly after receiving a masters degree from usc in entrepreneurship pocket became one of the youngest to be on the cover of forbes at 24 previously she was the tv host of startup season 5 the shark tank of singapore welcome to the show pocket we are extremely delighted to have you on thank you for having me i'm excited Super. We have a ton of questions about Sogal. We've heard a lot about it, and we'd love to go a little bit deeper into that. But before we do that, uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career before Sogal? Yes. So I stumbled upon entrepreneurship and innovation when I was studying entrepreneurship and uh, for my master's degree at USC, and that's where the idea for Sogal came about. So um, I would say Sogal actually. Appeared um, in my life uh, pretty early on in my career journey. Previously, I worked at a big corporate uh, on B two B communications in public safety, which was not something I planned on doing when I was in college. So I studied um, I studied marketing um, at business school for my undergrad. So I always wanted to do things around um, consumer branding, marketing, business strategy, that type of stuff, and. My dream was to work at somewhere like L'Oreal or Unilever and really own uh, a brand and make it big. But then, when I got exposure to entrepreneurship, my whole worldview and um, career view changed, and I really wanted to do something that's um, that has a lot more impact and solves real problems. So the first problem I wanted to solve. um when i got exposed to this whole world of venture and startups and tech um was that there were so few women in the room wherever i went so that was the premise of sogal i started it as a community on campus and it quickly grew into a large community um of women entrepreneurs and i realized that they all needed money so direly and no one was solving it for them and that was early 2015 so that really prompted me to want to dive into the world of venture capital and figure out how to solve problems for these women in my community so i would say i am more of an entrepreneur than an investor uh and sogal was my first product and <laughs> we in the past few years have kind of moved from the pre-seed seed stage to now a series a stage um that's how we kind of define the stage we're in right now I love that. And as, you know, a team of people who also started a community on campus, totally share um your your experience there. 
So this really brings me to our next question. You talked about it a little bit, um, but what was the big motivation behind the creation of SoGal? And what were some of the challenges or major breakthroughs at the start, if any, really? In the beginning, uh, in 2015, um, the percentage of funding going to women entrepreneurs at the time was 2.2%. I was shocked uh, and really wanted to do something about it. I think one great thing I learned from the entrepreneur, um, the entrepreneurship program was that if you see a problem, don't think of it as someone else's problem, just solve it as it's your own. Um, so I thought the most direct way for me to create an impact for these women was to give them resources, give them capital, um, but I didn't know how at the time. So I went to this program about venture capital at Stanford, um, and that was where I met my business partner, and we both had this idea that um, this is such a huge blue ocean. It presents so many opportunities, and if no one else is doing it, we should give it a shot ourselves. So that was a big kind of... Um, realization that we had at the time and it was really difficult to raise a fund and i think a few years later you know looking at now um, there are a lot more women fund managers a lot more women starting their own funds um jumping out of their pre um, previous firms or you know like the people who didn't fit the vc angel profile are jumping into the world of venture and we'd like to think that we played a part in kind of leading the way in that, because at the time, a big idea that I had was if Elizabeth and I could do it with no prior experience, with, you know, um, just this idea to break the status quo and create something entirely different from the industry, if we can do it, then other people can do it too. And we want it to be that inspiration. And I hope that many people um, have gotten that message <laughs> over the past years of our strong like advocacy um, globally. So yeah, we were just really happy to be a stepping stone and be, you know, the, the first person to eat the crap, as we say in Chinese. Um, and yeah, challenges, there were so many. I think fundraising is really hard for most people. Uh, and for us, it was definitely not easy. It took us almost four years to raise the first fund, which was $15 million. Um, and I'm very happy to share that last month we launched our fund too. Um, we targeted uh, $100 million this time, and we already got a first close um, from mainly existing LPs. And we were able to raise, like we were more than doubling our AUM in a matter of weeks. So Congrats on that. That's quite the jump. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I think it, we made a good decision to not go um, after fund two too quickly. Um, so our first fund was launched in 2017. And this new fund is, you know, was just launched last month. Um, so we waited a good like four years to do so. Um, and we did it after we scored our first two unicorns and one Soonicorn. <laughs> um, that's soon to be a unicorn. Uh, I think this is the right time for us to um, go at it again. And we also needed 
a break from fundraising because it was quite exhausting. And we kind of went through every single potential route uh, and learned a ton of lessons the first time around. Um, so we feel like we're just completely in a at a different spot now. Uh, and that feels awesome. Like we're scaling up just like, you know, the portfolio entrepreneurs are scaling up. So it feels really good. That's super awesome. And congrats on the race. Congrats on the amazing performance of the existing boat course. So that's amazing. And without any uncertainty, like we can definitely tell you that Sogal has been one of the biggest inspirations from the time you've been around the kind of uh, mission that you've been on. Uh, you're definitely one of the uh, stepping stones and cheerleaders to the mission that you're, you're that you're working towards. So that goes without saying. So that has been the case <laughs> for sure. You. <laughs> on the same you. note, we know that uh, the mission at Sogal is to close the diversity gap in both entrepreneurship and the venture capital ecosystem. Curious to hear that what's the strategy to achieving that goal and probably something around what's a few one of the few biggest lessons that you learned as the platform's founder and an investor in a largely underrepresented group of investors and founders. Yeah, we always thought, you know, if you really want to change the status quo, you have to change the dynamic on both sides of the table. And to us, from running the SoGal community, we realized that there, there's so much potential in this gener like the, the new generation of women. Like we could be entrepreneurs, investors, and operators all at the same time. Like the line is really blurred. And at SoGal, it's really about empowering women to be both. Um, we're all three um from a pretty young age so we started on campus so we naturally had this sweet spot of you know women in their 20s and early 30s but over the past years uh, we have been expanding our community quite extensively now we run uh, SoGal chapters um, in 50 cities on six continents around the world which is insane and we've also launched multiple multiple programs to train women to become more comfortable with the idea of investing with the idea of raising money um, like overall our theory of change is that women need to own part of the next big thing like either as the creator the founder um, or as an angel, a VC to have ownership on the cap table, or as an operator to get, you know, some common shares uh, early on. But it's really about, you know, how can we enable women to create, to fund, and to really be part of the system um, or the ecosystem uh, is what I mean. Um, so we launched programs like Breaking to VC, um, which was the answer we had to all the inquiries we received all the time. Like, how can we start a VC fund like you? How can we break into the venture capital industry? Um, and over time, we were like, okay, let's you know set up a community Q&A for free every month. And Elizabeth and I would be alternating every month with different guests. Um, so that we can just really break down, you know, access to um, VCs who are in the industry who can answer questions um, for people. So we've done that for, I don't know, a few years now. Uh, and we've had like thousands of people who attended these um, uh, webinars that we've hosted. And last year we launched this really 
great program called Fempire by Sogao. So it's our attempt to really democratize access to the world of startup investing. We used our years of in, uh, investment experience um, across like over a hundred startups around the world and really wanted to create um, an affordable, convenient, accessible program to get women from all walks of life to get into the world of startups as soon as possible. Um, so we created this 10 module program and we also created a, uh, a syndicate on AngelList uh, that's open to our LPs and also to all the Vampire by Sogal members um, so that they can co-invest with us as um, starting from like $1,500. So besides, you know, the accredited investor status, which we can't change, but we're helping people to break that barrier with like taste, uh, taking a test to get the status. Um, we're trying everything to make sure that, you know, women, emerging um, like people could really take part in what we do. Um, and this is also reflected on the LP side. So our first fund, uh, $15 million-ish, 14.7 to be exact, we raised that money from like 98 LPs, including many women in their 20s who were just you know able to put in a little bit. Um, but we really thought they could grow with us. And it has been the case. We have many LPs who have uh, invested a lot more in our fund too now. So it's like the investment is mutual. Like when we are investing in um, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs sometimes like uh, come back and become LPs uh, for our fund. This has happened eight times and <laughs> it will keep happening. Um, and on the LP side as well, um, the LPs are investing in our fund, but at the same time, we're investing in them as well as long-term partners. Uh, and we have created this really vibrant and engaged LP community um, that we're super, super proud of. So it's really about, you know, opening the door um, as much as possible to let different people in. So amongst our Fund One LPs, we have 73% women. Um, many, many of them are first-time LPs. They had never invested in VC before. Uh, and so we had to do a lot of education, but I think it's totally worth it. And we also have at least 50% POC uh, LPs. Um, and the age range is also really wide from like 20, 21 years old to you know, um, your typical, like very successful entrepreneur, retired VCs type of profile. So we have a really broad um, range. I really, really like that. Um, I did not know about having close to 100 um, LBs to start your fund. And I can now understand the four years that went into <laughs> fundraising. I can't even imagine how hard that was, but I am so happy because I really think democratizing, you know, access to to be an investor and just being able to participate in those deals that you guys picked with even like you said, like fifteen hundred dollars, um, that's that's a big deal and that's really how we change the numbers in the long run. And you did talk a little bit about the chapters and you talked about one of your programs, Fempire, and I while doing my research, I found a number of other programs <laughs> you've started. Um, the Black Founder Startup Brand, SoGal Academy, and that's just a few of uh, many. 
I would love to hear a little bit more about these programs and how do you go about really, you know, coming up with these ideas um, and really kicking them off? Yeah. So I think, again, like we're entrepreneurs, right? So we're, we're trying to solve problems uh, when we see them. So these programs are all answers to what we were seeing um, in our ecosystem in the SoGal universe. So yeah, besides uh, Fenpai Rai SoGal, which is our way to democratize access to angel investing and to an investing career in, in general, um, we created the Black Founder Startup Grant, which we're really, really proud of. Um, so we founded that last year uh, under our sister nonprofit called SoGal Foundation. Um, we launched it so that we can provide um, grants in the five to 10K range to um, Black women and Black non-binary founders. So it's insane to report that we have received over 85,000 deals from this community. And these are all women founders and non-binary founders in the Black community that believe their companies would be a billion dollar company one day. Um, they have raised less than $3 million um, and they you know, want to be on a fast growth trajectory. So we've given out um, 37 grants so far, and we will have given out, I think, 50 in total by the end of this year. Um, we have raised close to a million dollars of like grants and um, donations for this program. Um, and with Fund2, we also plan to dig into the deal flow more and actually invest out of our fund as well. Um, so that has been a very impactful uh, initiative we did. Um, and something else we did in the past include, it's called Build Without Burnout. It was the first ever entrepreneur peer coaching mental health program that was for free. So also uh, offered from our SoGal Foundation, we were able to um, provide six months um, of uh, psychologist-led peer coaching circles. And it was amazing. Many entrepreneurs told us that this was the most impactful thing we ever did for them to help them uncover who they are and what are the underlying limiting beliefs and fears and um, barriers. So yeah, like I've benefited a lot from coaching. Um, my business partner also like sees therapist and we believe these are very important things to do to really figure out who you are, what you want to be, what's stopping you um, so that we can help entrepreneurs more and we could be better investors ourselves. Um, so yeah, so all of these programs are from our own experience and learnings. And we want to kind of, you know, like get people exposed or access to what um, has been helpful or beneficial to us. And another interesting thing about the Black Founder Grant is that um, people would ask us, you receive so many applications, like, what do you even do? Like, how do you even sort through them? Um, it's really interesting. We actually do it almost like randomly. Like we feel like for these underrepresented communities, it's it's almost better to do it randomly because I think all of them have great potential. Um, and if we just limit ourselves with the perspectives of being, you know, VCs, I think we are limiting ourselves. Um, and yeah, so we wanted to kind of 
it's like a lottery, you know, like I think everyone who applied deserves this grant uh, is my real thinking. So we um, didn't do that much like, you know, uh, selection in that process. And we wanted to provide this opportunity because um, because we should and yeah, and they deserve it. I was definitely going to comment um, on that number again crazy numbers and i'm actually it makes me really excited because it also tells you a lot about you know there's much more maybe i'm not sure this is the best way to say but like motivation or hope for these underrepresented founders to go ahead and and you know launch their businesses maybe that was not necessarily present when you did not have people um who looked like you across the table before um, so that's that's awesome. And I totally agree with um, the coaching. I love that you did that program. Um, sometimes you just need and sit and talk to someone um, about everything and um, anything. So um, I have one last question and then a surprise question for you at the end. Um, <laughs> so you, you've touched on it a little bit, um, but what advice would you give to aspiring female founders and investors looking to break into the industry or raise funding? I've been asked this question a lot. Um, and a few years ago, I remember like my answer was just three words, just do it. <laughs> um, oh, you're Nike brand answer- ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> I have no relationship with Nike whatsoever. They actually turned me down. Like I wanted to work at Nike. Um, and I actually went to, I think it was Portland, um, to interview with them. And I was really happy with what I presented to them, like the whole plan and my ideas and how they could really become this next gen and like Gen Z friendly, uh, brand, uh, that stood for something. Um, but yeah, they said no to me. So <laughs> if they had lost. said, yes, honestly, they're lost. I might, <laughs> you know, I might be on a completely different career path. Um, but I think the entrepreneurial bud would bug will still, jump out at one point or another. Um, I think my answer today would be, yeah, I still think people should just do it. So back when I just started, um, people kept asking, like, how are you different from other women-led funds? Or how, you know, how do you think about competition with other female-led funds? And back then there was, there was like, not much, like really, really not much. Um, and my answer was, we need thousands of, you know, funds like ours to make the playground even, you know, um, close to being equal. So it's not the competition that, that I care about. Like, it's, I, I want to help more women become fund managers. And I have been doing um, small personal LP investments into other emerging fund managers um, because I could see like, you know, they could make waves and they should exist. And I wanted to help. Um, So in the future, when our fund has, you know, bigger exits and we have bigger reserves, I definitely want to do more of that. Um, So, yeah, I think the advice is to really own who you are. Um, to really look at, you know, um, what what you came to the world with and who you want to be um, and really hone in and like dive into 
the core of who you are. Like, I think it's a shame when people are just doing a job that anyone can do. I, I quit my first internship um, because I feel like I was so replaceable. Like there's nothing about the job that screams pocket. Like there's nothing that makes me unique in the job that I do, um, that I did. <laughs> so I, I just think there's so, so much power in uncovering who we are and what we can do for people that are just like us. Uh, and it doesn't have to be, you know, just about your skin color or your gender. It could be, be you know, um, because of a life experience. It could be based on a shared pain or trauma um, or shared, um, you know, problems in life. Um, so I, I love, like my angle has always been the world was created by a very small group of people and it doesn't serve everyone. So how can we uncover the power and potential of the rest of us and make sure that we all have a chance to live a better life? Um, and I feel very, very, very strongly about the widening wealth gap. So like currently 10% of the population, the richest 10% of the population owns 76% of the world's wealth. And the bottom 50% owns just 2% of wealth overall. Um, and COVID actually became the fastest period ever for billionaires to accumulate even more wealth. Um, I think that's not okay. Um, and I don't want to live in a world where this continues to be the truth and reality. So I'm all about using investing as a tool um, to creating a better world. I truly, truly believe that. And we have attracted so many LPs that believed in that. And we're investing in entrepreneurs that believe in that. And they are hiring other people who believe in that. So, you know, together we create this, um, this action club that is already thousands or tens of thousands of people strong. Um, and I think this ripple effect could really be, you know, what changes society at the end. That was such a strong and inspiring um, take or just, you know, questioning of the status quo that I can tell you for sure um, it will come back to me as I <laughs> look at my career down the line. Um, thank you so much. And one final question before we wrap up this conversation is um, who has been a role model in your life? And that can be personally, professionally, um, could be anyone. Yeah, my answer to this question is always, it's not one single person. Um, and inspiration can come from anywhere. Uh, recently, someone that really inspires me is Sylvia Federici. She's the author of Caliban and the Witches, um, or Caliban and the Witch, I think. It's such an excellent book. It talks about, you know, in the Middle Ages, how like what's the word um making women domicile and making them kind of you know the tool for reproduction was a very necessary part of capital accumulation um and i thought her arguments were so brilliant and i was learning so much from it um so I love drawing inspiration from things that are not venture related. <laughs> and of course, I'm really inspired by, you know, like the women VCs before me, 
me and women entrepreneurs that are just kicking ass and especially like women founders that we have invested in like i i am so you know floored by by them all the time um so i think i i'm naturally a very um humble open-minded person and i think that has helped me a lot um being an investor um and i also draw inspiration from like women in politics and women who who are just brave enough to rebel against her environment um and i think that happens everywhere um in all classes all industries and every you know like point um all over the map like there are women who are rebellious who are brave who who are not satisfied with what's given um and i think that's the the strength and the the power of you know people who have been put on the side who have been suppressed in so many ways for so long so i think my life's mission is to really tap into that kind of creativity the explosion of their power not as like a dominating power but like you know the power to unite people and the power to to bring us more consciousness about the world we live in um so yeah <laughs> that's, that's my, awesome that's i love my inspiration no, i love this because um we've had many guests and this is one of our favorite questions to ask and definitely um you know people have given this answer that there is no one person usually and you know everyone can be an inspiration in some way um and i'm glad that that has been the way for you too um thank you so much pocket for being on the show today this was one of the best conversations i've had it was thank you for being super <laughs> candid um and i wish you good luck with fun too thank you it's off to a very good start <laughs> so